0: Esports is one of the fastest-growing industries in the world, and this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the Future of Marketing in Esports. to the future of marketing in esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa, and I'm so excited today to have a very special guest with me, Maria Tamalini. Hi, Maria. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to be here with you. Nice to see you again. Maria and I met via LinkedIn and had some really great conversations. We both were on a speaking panel out of London about women in gaming, correct? Is that where it was? Yes. And so we were talking about women in gaming that we connected via LinkedIn, had some really great conversations around the emerging technology that Maria and her co-founder are working on. And it just feels, for me, extremely relevant, not only for the endemic side of esports in terms of tournament organizers and team owners, but really holistically taking a look at how are the non-endemic brands that are getting into esports how does the technology that gamer safer maria's company really help elevate them and and ensure that that there's some brand safety measures there so maria gamer safer tell me about this technology that you guys have built
1: Yes, yes, such a pleasure to share more with you and your audience. Uh, so, Gamers Safer was born to help esports platforms and multiplayer games to scale fair play, positive, better experience for players. We, are, we all know the positive aspects of multiplayer games and sports competitions, but we also know that these environments are dealing with cheaters, fraudsters, criminals, and even toxic players many times. So We came up with an idea to verify and authenticate players before they join a competition or a match. And with that, we aim to bring more accountability, uh, more tools for platforms to control what's going on inside their environments. And also, as a gamer and as a mother of two tech-savvy gamers myself, I'm I'm, um, really happy to build better spaces for everyone.
0: Awesome. I think that I think you nailed it. And I think really, when I've had conversations with people around creating tournaments, the pushback sometimes has been, how are we going to ensure that it's a safe place? How do we know that there's not bots in here that are going to make it an, an unfair playing level for the competitors? I just was part of an all women's Call of Duty tournament. And definitely putting together an all-female tournament, not knowing everyone who's registering. Like, how do we know that those are really all, all females? And you guys are able to really qualify and, and quantify that. How does it work? How do you do that? What's the technology behind that?
1: Yeah, so it's nice that you mentioned this tournaments because basically what companies are doing right now, they are going to asking players to go to Discord channels to make sure that the player that was Supposed to be it there. And this is, works perfectly when you have a small tournament, but it's really hard to scale driving large competitions and engaging more and more audiences. So that's where Gamers Safer plays in. So we are enabling scalability in terms of user verification and authentication. It is, it's integrated into the platform login, and with the selfie, using computer vision and AI technologies, we are verifying and authenticating players and sending that information straight to the platform. It's essentially is less than one second. Wow.
0: It can do that really quickly, even to scale? Mm-hmm. Yes. So this can be applied as people are are engaging with the tournament. It, it doesn't need to be a, a, a totally separate process, correct?
1: No. So, yeah, we are cross-platform, web, mobile and even future consoles
0: cool and you're using is it like an api plugin that that the tournament organizers are are utilizing they're not having to send a registrant somewhere else and then bring them back
1: yeah we use an api in most of the cases yeah
0: so clean that's awesome you're probably creating an ability to save a lot of man hours on a or, you know, tournament organizer side and and on the team side How did you guys come up with with this idea? What was the driving force that you saw is clearly a gap in the industry. Mm -hmm. How did you recognize that gap? And and how did the idea, the solution, the solve come to fruition for you?
1: Yeah, so my co-founder was working for Intel Gaming Business Unit. So it was an important, and it is still an important business unit for Intel. And they were like running a lot of research about the challenge the industry was facing to keep growing and how to solve those challenges and at the time he came to me just to, to discuss a couple of techno- technologies that were trying to intervene in those challenges and uh, we had a great conversation because most of the existing technologies they are they were working after the fact so they were trying to catch users inside of the platform or toxic clear that were not you know doing things that were allowed by the community guidelines and ban those users. So when you have millions of users interactions or competition that where you, you have like several people playing, it's really hard, you know, to, to intervene. So we had this idea to empower platforms to work before the fact, or once they ban a the player because they were cheating or doing something really inappropriate, they can be banned for good. Because when you got the cheater and you banned, he can create a new account under a user, a new username, and email and come back five minutes later. So that's mm-hmm. the kind of cycle we are trying to break with GamerSaver. And it was like a, a good combination of professional experience because Rodrigo, as I mentioned, he's an engineer, he was working with games. And myself, I'm a second time founder, and I was basically doing a lot of social impact strategy for brands. And besides that, we are gamers and parents of gamers. So it was like personal, professional. It was a no-brainer when we understood our purpose and the potential as a business. So
0: we quit our full-time jobs and here we are. (laughs) That's a big risk. How long ago did you guys create Gamer Safer? Almost 18 months. 18 months. And tell me about the, that that journey. It had to be scary for for you to drop everything, leap into something new. What kinds of like kinds of challenges have you experienced and and maybe share like a glowing moment or some some piece of success that you've found since doing this? Yeah, it was definitely
1: an important decision we made as a family. I think one of the biggest challenges is that we are working with something that we are so passionate about that we could work 24 by 7. So that's our biggest challenge right now. We don't feel that we are working because we're building something so important and special that we, you know, just keep working. <laughs> so we have to create curfew times here to make sure that we have some time to rest and even to engage with our own kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is the biggest challenge. And in terms of achievements, I think our first big big win was when we applied for the Berkeley Skydeck program, which is uh, an important accelerator here in California. Like the acceptance rate is less than 5%. So we were there with our slides. We had a couple of good conversations with industry to validate that if this is something that, you know, you see, interesting and they said yes just go for it and then we prepared our first 10 flights and sent and made a lot of interviews and we were accepted so that was like a major win I just felt that we started with the right foot but as entrepreneurship is the roller coaster so <laughs> there are a lot of ups and downs a lot of no's until we get you know our first yes and we are even um taking notes about the no's and the yes we're getting. So probably in the
0: future we will have a, a book or something about right. that. And how, how are you guys currently marketing your product and doing outreach? So most of our conversations were already part of our
1: network. And by doing great connections and serving those people that we already know we're having a referral-based strategy. And right now, as because we were talking about that before, we are strongly updating our materials, our our website to deliver a better message to each each one of those segments. So, esports platforms and then multiplayer games.
0: Great. And, and why do you feel like why is gamer safer? I I know why because I I've, I've worked on on multiple areas within the ecosystem, but. Like, why is this important from a brand perspective? If I am a non-endemic brand coming into the space, like, why should this matter to me? Yeah, so there are two angles that we are supporting from a brand
1: perspective with Gamer Safer. So one point is credibility. So brands are investing a lot of money in those tournaments and they don't want their brands involved with scandals or with cheating or with toxic communities. So from that point of view this technology is helping with credibility to strengthening brands that are fostering and investing in the ecosystem. And in the other piece, that are uh, also brand opportunities in our application so brands can use our banners and have more awareness around their investments using our application. So we provide that for tournaments or organizers offering to their sponsors. So that are to please, increasing and improve their investments, and also keep the credibility, making sure that you know this competition is in and safe and fair for everyone.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's definitely been a, a concern for for brands who are going out on a limb and and coming into this industry. I think being a part of tournaments is a really great way to get in front of a niche audience, mm. but you don't want the backlash, right? Your name is attached. To a very large tournament, and you feel like you were either harassed or treated unfairly, a lot of times that backlash heads to the brand. And this is a very connected community. So I think that this is even something from a brand perspective. If 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 I'm a CMO at a large company and we're in esports, we're hosting and sponsoring a lot of tournaments. I can even see this from a brand perspective, them coming and saying, we need this tool integrated. We want to be ensure that our brand integrity is strong. So we we want to make sure that this type of of technology is being integrated into the tournament. But your main target audience, like the 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 biggest impact for you, would be the large tournament organizers. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And are you working with any? Are you in market right now? Working with some. Yes. Yes, we integrated with our first customers that are
1: co of negotiations that I can't disclose. Hope, hope yeah. like in the near future, I can share more. But these parts was like the first segment to use our technology, but we're also integrating our technology with a major type of a multiplayer game type.
0: Great, that's awesome. And I look forward to hearing more as you're able to share. I know I work on projects all the time where I'm like, I can't tell you what I'm doing, but it's super yeah, cool. I hope to it be able months, to tell soon. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Long-term vision for this company that you've built, and even you're a your serial founder now, like you're you've gotten an itch. Do you see other products underneath Gamer safer or even wheels spinning on, on future ideas? What's like your long term vision for you personally as a founder? I think there are many, many possibilities in terms Around
1: this mission, like providing safety and positive experience, not only for games but online in general. As everybody is spending a lot of hours online, and verification and authentication is getting more and more important for several platforms. So there are there are many avenues we can explore. So one of the things that I also uh, forgot to mention this is something that we are developing is also how we can engage parents in their. Kids' online experience, especially in games. So, we are coming up with something to strengthening parental consent for, you know, competitions and games in general, and also to provide a dashboard where parents would be able to engage more with their kids' experiences. This is something that I, I am super excited about because I never had something like that, and to use in their education and development process. So this is also already uh, something important because right now we have a lot of data privacy regulations a lot of concerns so we're coming up with something that um, includes data minimization but also offers the kind of information parents need to oversee what their kids are doing
0: i love that you mentioned something about outside of gaming where this could where there could be other <laughs> applications of technology like this and really that big like the big picture vision of Privacy and really authenticating who you're having conversations with. Because what we found online is a lot of toxic behavior, even with the rise of Zoom meetings. I, I recently watched a video where someone was sharing elementary teachers' Zoom links for class sessions. They were posting them on Twitter, and then you were having like a bunch of weirdos like coming in and crashing his classroom. You know what? I was
1: launching yesterday a child safety initiative with XRSI. It's a .org that I'm supporting as a child safety executive leader. So we were there in this virtual space presenting, talking about child safety, and then a participant asked to make a question, and then I gave her the word, and then she started to make the questions, and some random user joined the the platform and started to curse her. Oh in God. the middle of the event. And before I say something, he just disappeared. So he got off. So those things can happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's why user verification and authentication is so important.
0: Yeah. I it was see- yesterday. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just keep seeing all these little things crop up in different articles about just bored people or harassment and. And I think there could be ways that this could apply in a lot of different social environments, even beyond gaming and, and esports. So what you've built is really powerful. And I want to get back to a little bit of the granular things of all of the ways that the technology is being leveraged. Because I think you highlighted them all rather quickly, but just for our listeners to understand, maybe we just take them one by one. I'd love to start with really like the facial recognition and what you guys are doing around facial recognition and, and then go from there, like all of those different ways you're authenticating who these users are. I'd love to hit on them with maybe an explanation of like why that's valuable or, or how you were able to uncover that as a, as a solution and how they work together.
1: Yeah, so we chose this technology because it's one of the most powerful ways to verify, to connect a user to someone in real life. And as I said, we're implementing data minimization. So we store one of the pictures for profile uh, reasons, but we are only extracting the coordinate of their faces. So we're not storing the... the. When they constantly log in with us, we're only extracting the coordinate of their faces and with that, you can recompose a picture of some somebody's faces. So that's one of the things that I, I also believe is important. And also for multiplayer games, we empower the player to share their preferences as well. So based on research, we understood the triggers of to- toxic or disruptive behaviors. Players can share their preferences, the way they like to play, they like to the, to interact, if they are more competitive, more casual, if they like to interact in other languages or not. The Germans, they like to play. And based on all those different factors, gaming companies can provide you know, not only a safer experience for them because they're verifying fine off the game, but also uh, extracting those qualities or those interests of that players to prove the way they're matching them, to match them with people that are more aligned with the, the mm-hmm. way they like to play. And I think that can... This is an innovation that can definitely change the game for them because as right now games are using skill level and survey location to to make the matching. So if they know the gender, the age, and the preferences of that player and then can leverage that to put that player to play with others, they will increase engagement, reduce user churn,
0: and this is like a virtual cycle for them. I love that. That's so smart because I've I've talked to gamers who are really interested in joining tournaments, but they don't usually for a number of reasons. There's, it's either way too competitive. So they get kicked out pretty early or killed really quickly in a game. So they don't advance. Or a lot of times they like the prize pool is so high that you've got like, really, really highly skilled people in there. And they just I think a lot of gamers just want to go in and have a fun experience and they want to play with people at the same level as them or people Mm -hmm. that they know. And there's other, there's other technology out there that's creating more of a recreational league aspect and less competitive, like more just Mm -hmm. like competing for fun and not necessarily with these high stakes. And, And that's been helpful, but to be able to qualify players and match them together based on that like-mindedness and how they play. I think that's just absolutely brilliant. I think it just brings it to a whole other level beyond just recognizing who the person is and, and making sure that they are who they say they are and that they're a good person. But then you guys are really able to hone in on making it not just a safer place, physically, but a, a more enjoyable overall experience, like emotionally a safer place as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know if you saw the latest ADL report showing that 81% of players of most popular multiplayer games experience harassment. It was like a study making uh, made during the pandemic, and 68% of them experienced severe harassment. That's a number, like... The number speaks for itself. And as a consequence, 22% of those players are playing less or leaving the game. So from a player perspective, it's really damaging. It's annoying. We don't like it. Sometimes we don't play some games because of that. But from a business perspective, can you imagine 22% of players playing less or leaving a game because of those experiences? In a platform with hundreds of millions of players, this is a lot of money. They're investing to attract that player. And then the player joins the platform, they're not welcome, and then they don't play again. And they never yeah. come back many times. So that's the kind of approach we're, we're, we want to give with Gamer Safer by improving the, prof- the user profile besides the verification in authentication. And I think this is like something that I, I am looking forward to prove. That's the, that's the yeah. moment we are. Like we are excited to start those pilots, and prove the concept and scale adoption next year. That's that's like 20, 2021 is going to be a special
0: year. A very special year. When I think about the big push of diversity and inclusion, there's no physical advantages for male esports athletes over a female esports athlete. So it makes you wonder, for me specifically, I really take a look at the entire ecosystem and wonder, like, why aren't there more pro-female gamers? And I think the toxic culture throughout history that has been involved. Not everything in the industry is toxic. I don't want to create no, some that. hyperbole, yeah. you know, hyperbole and freak everybody out. But there are some undertones that have impacted a lot of female gamers that I've talked to, where they do get lobby kicked or they do get ganged up on while they're in a game, and or they have over the past five, six, seven, eight years that they've been playing, and when they don't have a chance to compete against some of the best because they've been pushed out and pushed to the fringe to the side, then are they able to develop as quickly? Are they, is it level? Is it not? And that is, I think it is hard to prove out. I think you hear a lot of stories and we believe those stories, but leveraging tools like this, I would predict over time creating a safer place For female gamers or other gamers that have something where they're maybe looked at as an outsider and are picked on, it gives them the ability to develop and to grow as as a gamer. I could see this really impacting the number of women in pro gaming because they're given that chance to, to, to really shine and remove those toxic players from that ecosystem. And then grow, be able to grow and develop into these roles. Is that a driving force for you? Is that something you guys are seeing yes. changing? Yeah, this is something that's you know
1: really close to my heart because I have a 14 years old daughter and I want her to have the chance to compete if she chooses. So, right. And I spoke with many uh, female gamers while we were developing gamers Safer to understand th- their struggle. And most of them said they were trying to find people to play with in the real world so they can at least have someone to play with when they're online to face the challenge when they're there. And in many cases, they have to mute themselves because if people recognize they're a female player, then it's when everything started. But when you mute yourself, when you hide your identity, you are not exploring the features that you need to in order to progress in a specific game. So what Gamer Safer is, is trying to do is creating the conditions, no matter who you are, to play in a safe environment, to progress in the game, and then to compete and even reach a pro level if you choose, no matter the identity you have. Right. Besides female gamers, we also are seeing the an increase in terms of junior leagues. So we also have to create a safer environment for teenagers, for kids that are trying exploring sports. So there are many layers this value proposition that we are tackling and we want to foster. So if we if we if I am a kid and I want to apply for a scholarship in the future, I need to have a safer environment until I get there. That's the kind of thing we're looking for.
0: So you're flagging certain people, maybe you're flagging like where bots are coming from. How are you able to continually, are you tracking like by, by IP address or how are you able to detect like these bots and get them out of there? Or so what
1: we, are, so what, what we are doing is we are identifying users and saying this user is real, you can connect him with the experience. And once that user does something inappropriate inside the platform, the platform sends a message that we just send this user, we don't want, I want you to block this user from coming back. And then when that user comes back, and then we're we able to block that because we use the biomass. So that's wow. the, the cycle we are trying to, to create. And uh, one of the things that I also want to test and prove. As once we bring accountability to players, I think they'll think twice before doing
0: something inappropriate. Yeah, Yeah, beware bullies, right? (laughs) Truly. Yeah. So
1: when the the game that I love most is in the line, I'll think twice before saying something Mm -hmm. that is not uh, allowed by the community guidelines, for example. So that's one of the things I I believe is going to happen. So some platforms are make, are making our ID mandatory, and some platforms are making it as an option. But they're willing to incentivize
0: players to go through that step. Right. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is. It's time to have safety measures like this in place. And I think the two things you talked about, credibility, and even like from a. Monetization standpoint, right? If you're investing high dollars in a tournament, you want to make sure that it's it is that the it's a level playing field, right? That everybody really truly has a chance to excel and and perform their best. That's just absolutely remarkable. Tell me a bit about like your background. In you you alluded to it a little bit that you were a, a founder before. Tell me about like your journey into this space and, and into technology. It's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: So I started my journey as an entrepreneur really young. I, I I started to sell like different things when I was 17, 18 years old. And at that time, not that many people know, but I already had a son. And that was my biggest motivation to try myself out, to keep paying my studies and to keep providing for him. He was like a biggest motivation for for starting my career as an entrepreneur, and because of him, I decided to follow the social impact path to create a better world for him. So I met the UN Sustainable Goals. I was studying those topics at university, and then I decided to combine a couple of methodologies, locally and internationally, that I I met I get to know while I was studying to create something really special for brands that were. We need to invest in the U.N. sustainable goals. That's how everything started. And from there, I think when I moved to Silicon Valley, many years later, I went back to analyze the U.N. goals and I saw a gap. The U.N. Wo- the UN goals were not reflecting the digital world that we were living on. My, like The digital world were not reflecting my kids' experience in online words. So I went to study and investigate that piece. And then I found a couple of documents of UNICEF encouraging people to protect children online and also different reports about people using technology to approach or to take financial advantages to even criminals. And then I realized that there was like a big opportunity for me coming from this space, you know, to create an impact in society with the business experience. So not only... Making an impact as I don't make money, but making an impact and making money to make something sustainable, kind of, to create something special. So I went to test myself working on, uh social impact organizations that were using technology for good before launching Gamer Safer. Kind of understood, OK, there is a space for that. There is a business model. We can do this. We can do that. And then when the opportunity of Gamer Safer appeared, I was just, you know, so ready um, <laughs> to jump in. So that was in a nutshell how the things evolved. But it's for me, everything starts with a purpose. So mm-hmm. I, I can work in anything that I don't believe in and that and, and that I don't have this feeling that I'm working. So I don't feel right. that I'm working. I feel that I'm having fun while, I, while I'm working at Gamer Safer.
0: The passion definitely shines through and I've had um, multiple conversations with you since we first met and, and I feel like I learned something every single time we talk. If, if someone listening to this podcast wants to learn more about Gamer Safer, wants to maybe see a demo or have conversations around how it could help, how it could help their business, how do they contact you? What's the best way to get in touch?
1: Yeah, gamersafer.com, Maria at gamersafer.com. We're also on LinkedIn, many different channels you
0: can find us. Yeah, happy to talk. Awesome. I wish you guys the absolute best of luck. I look forward to partnering with you in the future as well. I think there's a lot of things that I work on that we could definitely utilize what you guys have built so, I really look forward to seeing it in action as well in 2021. Thanks so much, Maria Tamalini, for coming on and congratulations on everything, all of your success you've had with Gamer Safer.
1: Thank you, Rebecca. You're a gem. <laughs>